The Longhouse of the 1990s is different from the Longhouse of the 1960s. The Longhouse of the 1960s could never have survived. It had to change, as all longhouses in many ways must do. They never last for longer than 30 to 40 years. And the same was true with the Longhouse of the 1960s. No longer is it a network of connected occult investigators and people whose lives have been touched by the supernatural. The Longhouse of the 90s is more of a privately funded institution. It's almost like a militia. The Longhouse of the 90s have uniforms. Those uniforms have patches. The Longhouse of the 90s have standardized weapons. And with 30 years passing between them, you, Ike, older, more experienced, perhaps not wiser, I imagine with an eye patch. I don't know if that's true. No, yeah, I've definitely got an eye patch. I am still handsome as fuck, though. Yeah. <laughs> Do we want to have a discussion about where I am in yeah, my life? Yeah, please. Um, so I, this is where I was imagining you, but please tell me if this is incorrect. Yep. I imagined that you had left the CIA and worked your way up to being second in command at the Longhouse. That's exactly what I thought. I imagined that, that my deal with Martina meant that I could no longer remain with the CIA and full blown into the Longhouse. Essentially, uh, why don't would you like me to paint in immediately what happened uh, at the at the back end of the at the end of the sixties adventure? Yeah. Um, please so do. within about fifteen minutes. Someone from the town just walked in. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe a child <laughs> just walked in <laughs> with a parcel uh, monsieur, with a special monsieur, delivery. Monsieur, monsieur. And I, I take the, I take the, um, the bronze this sword and I'm like, "Have a plane for you." <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you. Um, the kid tells me that uh, just whistles through his teeth and is just like, "That's going to cost a lot." Like even the child is aware. Yeah. How oh yeah. Fucked I. Am. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grab the swords. I do a shot, I give Amori a kiss, and I drive to the chateau, and I spend hours screaming out. I throw the acorn, I throw the bones, I bang the swords around. I am there until the sun comes up the next day, and nothing happens. No, nothing at all. It's just silence. And then, presumably, you return to Nanterre. You have to write to the Longhouse and let them know that this mission was not a success. You give them the information you had, but it's not enough. I call them. It's not a letter. It's a call. It's a... We lost the Russian. <laughs> that says there's nothing they can do. The Longhouse probably send other people to investigate, but similarly, they find nothing. I assist those people for a bit. It, it just... Nothing happens. May I, I add something yeah. that I Please. think you would find as well? So at some point, I'm sure you go through my room. Yeah. You find in my room a little black box that is the recording device for the listening bug that I planted both in your room but also in the telephone. On top of that, you find a little letter that is addressed to Cowboy. <laughs> I open it up, Adam. What's in the letter addressed Inside to Cowboy? There's a little letter. Clearly, when I wrote this letter, I had intended to have left town before you had left town and to leave this kind of almost as a gift for you. And the little letter says... Americans and Russians compete on many things, but there is one thing that Russians can do better than Americans ever could, and that is to flip an agent. The trick to flipping an agent is to always be listening, to find any little weakness that you can to exploit that. And you can exploit the weaknesses of an enemy agent, but you cannot exploit the weaknesses of a friend. And that oh, recording... Adam. Oh, <laughs> damn. 
and that recording would absolutely have contained the call that you had with the with the priest. I wouldn't have known, I guess. I just always intended on destroying it. <laughs> I I realized the implication of the letter and realized that that means that you were never going to use these recordings, that the longhouse was always going to come first and that my goal to gain your trust was already working. <laughs> and I go back downstairs after maybe maybe it's been like a week. The longhouse sure. have come, nothing's happened. I just haven't left the town. I'm a bit disheveled. Um, I'm just hanging around. I've got these two bronze swords. I call Martina. She picks up. Did you get the swords? I got the swords, yeah. Um, it didn't matter. Everything's fucked. I need you to burn me. I'm sorry? I need you to burn me. I need to be out. Well, that aligns with my interests. Uh, in many ways, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. And for what it's worth, Martina, I'm, I'm sorry. It's genuine. <laughs> hey, don't worry about it. I quit the CIA that day. I am burnt. The report to the CIA is that a Russian operative ambushed me while on holiday in Nanterre and I was killed. <laughs> there is evidence to suggest this, that I also killed the Russian and he just disappeared, but that I have gone dark. And for all intents and purposes, Icarus Fortune is dead. <laughs> Basically, over the next 30 years, I worked my way up through the longhouse working as a mercenary for Martina destabilizing the war because at the end of the day I realize that neither America nor Russia can win the Cold War because yeah. if one of them wins, we all lose, so it has to be a draw. So I just help make it a draw. <laughs> I, I, And in the back of my mind, I'm just waiting. It's going to be 30, day, 30 years. I know that now. I, I can't find anything else. I absorb as much information as I can about this fucking cat, about Jacques the cat, about everything I possibly can. I assume it's fairy-related, Jackson. Well, you, as you investigate, you find, and the Longhouse helps you investigate this as well. You are there for the end of the Longhouse of the 1960s, but you manage to make the jump to the Longhouse as the one of the 1960s ends toward the end of the 70s. And in the mid 80s, a new one arises. You make the jump to the, to the new Longhouse. This one operates out of an oil rig and is privately funded. You're not sure by who, but it is a far more slick and professional operation than the one you were part of previously. This one is run by a woman named uh, Holly Sinclair, Professor Holly Sinclair. And oh. by the 1990s, she is much older. Uh, she's probably in her 60s at this point. So am I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're of comparable ages. And you've worked your way up to being effectively second in command. You yeah. learned that one of the rules of a longhouse is that it's always run by a woman. So you realize you could never truly take control. But you've gotten as high as is feasibly possible for yourself. I imagine I, I got in because I basically, while working with Martina, was like, hey, ghosts are real. You want to kill them? Yeah. <laughs> she was like, yeah, okay. That's useful. The crime family that can protect themselves from vampires is always going to be stronger than the one that can't. So uh, <laughs> she, she, she would have gone for that. And it probably wouldn't be 30 years. This time you've, it's 31 or maybe yep. even 32. But you do find yourself back in Ontario. Maybe from 30 years on, you check every year at around the same time you come in, you're keeping tabs on it. And this time you have arrived back with Professor Holly Sinclair and probably 10 longhouse agents in uniforms with automatic rifles. You roll into the town of Nontown, which has in the 30 years since barely changed at yeah. all. Yeah. You can see maybe there's another telephone wire going through and maybe the town has extended one more ring out, but otherwise it is the same town. I also now go by the name, and I still have a nickname, but my name yeah. is now Michael 
cowboy stiletto. (laughs) (laughs) You know what you need as well? You need to have two packages wrapped and have been ready for this day. One says says Icarus and the other one says Mikhail, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In your investigating of the area and and of the the legends around Nanterre, you would have found that Jacques Zacad had very little to do with any of it at the end of the day. It appears to just be a a folk story. In fact, maybe one night you would have waited uh, up until that time at night. and uh, I think in that first initial five days, that first night, I wait in the cemetery. But you would have seen nothing. You think perhaps that was just something of a red herring. So Jacques Zacad, you you learn, is, is irrelevant. And... You maybe even like uh, you, you manage to trace it back to the Mayhew family properly. You find documents that previously maybe you couldn't come across just by searching the local files or the local uh, documents that Nanterre had. Maybe you even uh, you you systematically you know over the years in interview all of the people who live in Nanterre and you you hear that. In the past, maybe somebody has uh, like a like an old letter from a an ancestor or a tale that's been passed down, and you learn and and you you heard something like this when you were here first, but never as detailed. That there was a night where the there was a fight, or that the the two people who lived in the Lemayhu mansion were always fighting with each other. There was like a lot of aggression there, and one night there was a terrible, horrible yowling that came from the tower, like. A terrible, like like some violence had occurred, but it sounded like a beast, like a monster. And it was after that the Mister Lemay here w- was was buried, uh, but that nobody ever saw a body, and that he was, and, and also uh, sorry, they would have also said that they heard like a baffling noise, like a a kind of like a like like energy. They might describe it as similar to the sound of the power lines ticking or buzzing or sparking, you know, above them or whatever from the mansion as well, and that Mister Lemay here was buried with uh, with no open casket. Nobody ever saw his body. And then after that, obviously, uh, the, the lady of the house disappeared. But the exact nature of what's going on here, you could never discern. It never fell into any appropriate category. It was never like a fairy. I mean, maybe that was the closest, but it was never perfect. It was never like a vampire or a werewolf. The Longhouse's opinion and its experts and its academics probably are like, some things are hard to categorize. And this may be one of them. But eventually, you do hear of a missing child in Nanterre. And you decide that this is the time, 32 years later, let's say, to return to the town. It's going to update my age. I am about 60. Yeah. You arrive at the Chartreuse. The Chartreuse has not changed at all. Nobody is out the front eating a sandwich and drinking a coffee when you first arrive. Maybe there's not even a table and chairs there anymore. Otherwise, it remains largely unchanged. Um, I'm with a team, I suppose. Yeah, you have a team of, did I say six? Six agents? Plus the professor. Plus the professor, who is in charge of the longhouse. She runs it. She's been running it for decades at this point. Um, are, this, are the people her people or my people? The they're six. her people. Well, yeah. they're her people, but obviously you can command them as well. Can we have fitted them all with bronze bullets? Sure, yeah, I'll say that's absolutely something the Longhouse Great. of the 90s could have made happen. <laughs> Great. Yeah, for Excellent. sure. Um, I walk into the Chartreuse. You enter, and it's, it's again, I say it's probably around like 10 a.m., and you can see that there is Amori, a much older Amori, and also next to her is a man. They're moving in a way that is intimate and implies to you that they are perhaps a couple. Hmm. Amori that's looks fun. up 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. Hey, it's been 30 I'm years. I'm fine with that, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Amori looks up when you enter, and you see recognition cross over her face. Oh. Bonjour. Bonjour, she says. Oh, yeah, I have an eye patch now. That's a thing. I figured you did. It feels yeah. like you should have an eye patch. I don't hey, know. my surname is Stiletto. Of course yeah. I have an eye patch. <laughs> I like the idea that I was hanging out with Martina when I came up with that name, and she was like, that is the dumbest name ever, <laughs> yeah. and then just wrote it in the passport. Yeah. But fine. <laughs> Actually, the name was her idea. Yeah. <laughs> but I just go by cowboy these days. This is a uh, Gaël, she says, gesturing to the man. Oh, bonjour, he says. Um, bonjour. I'm, uh, I'm Mike. Oh, she kind of, like, has a look of confusion, but she remembers the five days you spent here afterwards, and, you know, she knows that something strange happened that night, so she lets it pass by. We, uh, I don't know if we have room for... She gestures to the six people that you're with, and, um, the professor. Oh, no, we just need room for two. The six, uh, the other guys will sleep in the van. Well, uh, I'll show you to your room. Lamori leads you up to the two bedrooms. And once again, it's 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 just like it was 30 years ago. Maybe there are little TVs in the rooms now. And maybe, uh, maybe a little bit of work has been done and there's bathrooms up here too. Professor. Yeah? Do you ever get choked by nostalgia? I try not to, she says. Yeah. But it, it ain't easy. Uh, Professor Holly is so comforting as a person she is the salt of the earth the most down to the earth person you know even though she runs the long house she is just so casual about it there's no hard edges to professor holly no i guess i'm the hard edge <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe she sits on on the bed in the room that the two of you are in and she kind of like maybe she like cracks her knuckles and stretches her arthritic body well I don't think that the mansion is the place that we should be going. Would you agree with that? I I, I agree. I, I think it has to be somewhere else. And the cemetery... No, question. Did did you keep anything from your investigating? The dog oh, I bones? Kept the, I kept the bones and I kept the acorn. All right. Okay. It's good to imagine the acorn maybe is like you've got it on a key ring or something. I, I was just have it on a chain that. around yeah. the neck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I like to imagine, the parcels with the labels on... Mm. Um, Prior to this expedition, if anyone, I had an office on the oil rig, but I was yeah. very rarely in it because I liked field work. It kept me busy. Yeah, of course. I was better in the field. That's what I did. Um, but the occasions where you would come to visit me in my office, there were just two bronze swords like crossed over behind mm, cool. where I sit. Uh, they are removed and yeah, put in a parcel. Professor Holly, like she like sits back in the bed. If it's not the mansion and it's not the cemetery, the bronze mines, possibly. Well, I never made it the first time around, and you would have investigated it, afterwards and found very little. But the difference is, I assumed that last time the window was closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what you feel. I think we start the mines, work our way there. the The king said in the vision I had that his sword was underground. He seemed to think it was buried in the tomb, but I just, I just don't know. Holly shrugs. Well, that's as good a guess as any. This is your mission, hon. You you tell us where we're doing and what we're wh- where we're going and what we're doing. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll set out the mines. We'll load our equipment up here, but we're going hot because one kid's already missing. There's no point interviewing them. I know exactly what the interviewer will say. The kid was taken. Oh, maybe we already know this because we've you got access to do. data. Yeah. 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 Kid yeah. was taken at night. No footprints. And I guarantee you, if we ask the parents, the kid's shoes were put on their feet. Holly nods. We have, I reckon. At most days before 
Another kid goes happens. missing. Yeah, we can't have yeah. that. Well, <clears throat> no time like the present. She stands up with a kind of crack. She's quite tall as well, uh, mm. Professor Holly. She's like six foot. Professor, when we started this shit, do you think we're ever going to get this fucking old? God, no, she says. It was my intention as a young woman to never get this old. But look no. at me now. Honestly, I always thought I wouldn't make it through the Cold War. She puts a hand on your back, doesn't say anything, but then moves past you into the corridor. All right, let's go. You load up back into the van. It's a longhouse van. It's black. It's got that house symbol on the side emblazoned in white. And you drive up to the bronze mines. In the 90s of Nanterre, these bronze mines are clearly more of like a tourist attraction than they once were. It used to be the kind of thing... I mean, you never went there back in the 60s or or not in the while you were investigating. But back yeah. in the 60s, it was like a... Uh, like a hillock and then a bit of kind of carved almost quarry with these very tight holes going inside but now as you arrive there's like a fence to stop people from going in them there's a plaque explaining the history of them and it's just it's just like a far more populated area than it once was somebody's clearly been like let's capitalize on these bronze mines um are there tourists there now no it's pretty it's pretty quiet at the moment and it's still that kind of beautiful, warm summer day, but it's still pretty quiet. You think Nanterre, hilariously, has a problem of setting up tourist traps that don't work. That is so good. <laughs> yeah. The only part of the French countryside that people don't seem to want to visit. Yeah. 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 There, are, there are other nicer, more tourist trappy yeah. countrysides. Um, I, as we're rolling in, I just turned to the, the assembled group and the professor. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going with gas leak if anybody turns up. <laughs> they, they nod. Understood. Two of them will probably wait outside. Just as they crack open the gas leak kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go to the back of the van and go through the various ball lightning, swamp gas, gas leak. There it is. And remember the rules. You see a kid in a bird mask. You see a cat. You see a fox. You see anything that looks weird and unusual. You do not follow it. You call us. They nod. And you head into the bronze mines. These mines are tight. They are the kind of mines you have to walk through on your side, shifting against the wall. It's very claustrophobic, and it's also very hard to navigate. Probably Professor Holly stays outside, to be honest. She doesn't need to go in the mine. She'll be right. Also, uh, Jackson, just letting you know, because I became too IC for the longhouse, mm-hmm. my vice is now that I am hasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And also, like, your vice in the 60s was hasty, too. It's just yeah. it's just now it's at the forefront, I guess. Yep, correct. You work your way through the bronze mines. You're kind of struggling to find your way in them, but you can see that the Longhouse agents move like, obviously, they've not done this exact thing before, but exploring ancient caves and tombs is pretty much part and parcel for working for the Longhouse. And so they spread out and rejoin and spread out and rejoin. Maybe they also have, like, little flares or little glow sticks that they're embedding in the walls so that they can make their way back. They're also younger. Yeah, oh, exactly. And yeah, maybe they, like, they sort of, like, stream ahead of you and you slowly kind of pick your way I'm past a fit the old man. Them. You yeah, know those yeah, old men on the beach that you're like, that, fit, that old man's fit. She's doing all right, yeah. Yeah, I'm still an old man, but, like, if I wanted to, I could kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> you walk through these mines and you, you kind of think that you've been everywhere within them, but you reach a sort of back wall, like a kind of like a more open area, and one of the agents is kind of, like, tapping it. He turns to you, I reckon we could break through. All right, then. Something on the other side, gotta be. Maybe he's got some kind of device to, like, 
test the, you know, look for pockets of air or whatever within the cave. And he seems to have found one. Sonar or something? Yeah, some kind of sonar, yeah. All right. Just so we're uh, all clear before we break through this wall, I do not want another Reykjavik situation. They all nod knowingly. So we're going in with guns facing this way. (laughs) And if you see anybody that looks like someone from your childhood, it is not them. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like... What I like about this is it seems like that happened in Reykjavik and then keeps happening. And oh, yeah, it's <laughs> happened. sick and tired of it. <laughs> I am so sick of people being like, I yeah. couldn't shoot them. It looked like my sister. Yeah. My sister's been dead for 30 fucking years. It's good to imagine <laughs> in the oil rigs some posters that are like, it is not your sister. Shoot to kill. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's become like the bugbear. It is infuriating. <laughs> you smash your way through. Maybe they, they plant a tiny explosive and you smash your way through the back wall into a deeper part of the cave. This doesn't seem like the bronze mine anymore. Those mines, the, the, the walls of those caves had clearly been picked away. Like, yep. like clearly work had been done there. But this is a more worked tunnel. It's wider. It's broader. And you can see... You can see as you walk through, like, behind the agents, that the walls of this tunnel are uh, stained with, like, smoke, like the roof and the upper walls. So you think people have, like, come through here with torches in the past. And you follow this tunnel down until you reach like a kind of small opening, which you scramble through into a huge, broad cave. It's wet in here. It's damp. As you slide down into the into this cave, into this this area, you feel around your neck that acorn that you've kept all these years. Yeah. You can feel it like thrumming. Like it's vibrating. This is the spot, boys. The ground, as you like slide out of that hole and onto the ground, you feel as your feet crush bones. You look down, you can see that these are with your your mounted torches and with the agents shining their torches around with their weapons. You can see that these are the bones of children. Bones of possibly centuries of children. And in the center, there is a kind of like a stone, like a kind of almost like a little menher, that kind of thing, like a standing stone. All right, folks, this is... Definitely something nasty. It will try to kill you. Do not believe anything you see. It is not your fucking sister. But even more so, if you smell food, if you see drink, if you see a lush pool of water, if you see anything that is not a cave full of bones and stone, do not touch it. And once again, the most important instruction from this, if you see the man, a man the size of an oak tree, do not shoot him. He is what we're coming for. He is a friend, not a foe. I take out the sword and a handgun. (laughs) I have another sword strapped to my back. Not for me. (laughs) This cave, so it's a massive cave with like a kind of circle of child bones around the center. Again, you can see that some of the bones are fresher than others. Some are far older than others as well. And it's kind of got a kind of... um, There are smaller caves and smaller little avenues coming off this cave. Little points, little corners, little nooks, little crannies. There are two agents who are just standing by that menher. They're not stupid. They they know what that... this It's got to be bad juju, whatever it is. And they're standing there with their weapons aimed at it. Nobody can quite find find much, but Mikhail, you for the last 30 years have been sitting across from the Cossack. Well, sometimes it feels like 30 years, sometimes it feels like seconds. It's been a strange period of time that's 
hard to put your finger on. You feel like maybe you've been in stasis. Sometimes you feel the cold of the mountain and the warmth of the campfire. Sometimes you feel nothing. Sometimes you feel like you're having conversations with a Cossack. Sometimes you feel like you're not talking at all, or maybe you've never spoken. Sometimes you feel like you're full and you've been eating, and sometimes you feel like you don't need to eat. And then, at a certain point, in this swirling, hard-to-capture mess of consciousness, the Cossack stands up. He dusts his hands. Time to go. He goes around the other side of the campfire and he pushes you. You find yourself in the chateau. You are surrounded by children, and you feel pretty good. <laughs> do I have any control over myself? Yeah, you you do. You have a shocking amount of autonomy, considering. The last thing I remember in here was seeing that there were a lot of child bones, but no actual mm-hmm. children when yeah. I... So I'm, I'm at the, like, the dining table? You're just in the chateau. Maybe you're in the grand hall. I want to rush to the nearest child. There's a, a kid standing there. That's maybe like one of the girls that you spoke to the last time you were in the mansion. Do you remember me? She nods. We can play again, she says. Are, what is the last thing you remember before coming here? Her brow furrows. I was in my bedroom and I was talking to a ladyship. And then I was here. Do you remember being led here? Do you remember? She shakes her head. I want to get like genuinely upset. I look down, I look at the kid and I say, do you remember dying? The kid looks scared and starts to back up and starts shaking her head. No, no. The house rumbles and in the cave at the menher, you see from like underneath it, like snaking out in a way that seems not feasible at all like it doesn't seem like it should something of that size should be able to come out from underneath a gigantic stone standing stone but something starts snaking out something long and white and thick like a long white snake or worm but with the head of a cat and the front paws of a cat and long sharp teeth it is matted and sick looking blood bleeds down, like dried blood covers almost the entire front of it. It's first crusty and dark brown from the dried blood. Its eyes are bloodshot and yellow. Its whiskers are drooping. It seems massively unwell. Is it looking at us? It doesn't seem like it's noticed you at first, but uh, the moment it like properly starts, and it's long, it's like 10 feet long. The moment it starts clawing out from underneath the manhole and its eyes blinkingly look up into the bright torches of these longhouse agents, you realize it has noticed you. And there are guns trained on it. I'm yeah. holding a pistol with bronze. We've all got bronze bullets. Mm-hmm. I've got a bronze sword just because I figure that'll help. The cat, the white cat slides out from under the manhole and you are the first to clock it, Mike. Yep. As you see it, the acorn around your neck is thrumming. It is almost hot with how much it's vibrating and pulsating. I pull the sword out, I point a gun at its face, and I say, what's new, pussycat? Bang! (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to put some willpower on it because I'm fucking angry. No One of your bullets, like, you are at a kind of bad angle to hit it. There are also two agents standing on either side of it that you don't want to hit. And so it's not the cleanest shot, but 
you can see a spurt of bright red blood staining, like kind of almost explodes out of the cat's back and stains its fur all around where you shot it. You think you definitely hit it. It flees. You watch as it starts to like climb up the side of the wall of the cave. It slides past the two agents. It seems scared and vulnerable in the state that it's in now. Shoot the ever-loving fuck out of that cat. (laughs) Adam, inside the chateau, you can feel it's like the chateau is falling apart. And in fact, maybe the moment that the cat is hit in the real world, you blink your eyes and you can feel like you are inside the cave. You're not where you were in the past where you could see yourself inside the cave. You feel like you're kind of almost squished, like in a pocket between some rocks or between some cave walls. Like you're in a kind of tight little corner, but then you're back in the chateau. What would you like to do? It's your turn. I am... I need to... This chateau is an illusion. I can't fight the cat here. Do I still have the sword in my hand? Yeah. All right. I need... I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to focus. I'm going to try and concentrate. I need to get out. I'm spending willpower. No worries. You... It's like when you're so tired and you're trying to wake up, but you can't. But your eyes start to peel open in like that corner in that little pocket in the cave you kind of can feel your body is so sore it's again like you haven't moved a muscle or a shifted a bone in three decades is how your body feels and maybe even as you do you feel spider webs peel off your skin and your shirt and dust cascade to the floor but you feel like you are you are leaving the chateau behind. Do you think you get one more, like, kind of big thrust, one more big push of energy, and you will be able to leave that chateau behind because the cat, for whatever reason, appears distracted. The cave echoes, and as you wrench yourself awake, you can hear this, and you can see as light flashes. It's the cave echoes with gunfire. It's so loud, and it reverberates off the walls that it's, it's almost deafening. And you, Michael, can watch as the cat snakes across the roof, and bullets miss, ricochet, but occasionally some pepper its body, and blood, again, bright pink blood, splatters down onto the cave walls. You think it's trying to find like a, like a way out or some kind of way to, to free itself your turn. I instruct the rest of the soldiers to not let the cat out. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Do not let that cat escape. Um, I feel like the sword's probably going to be more effective. Oh no, it's up on the roof, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I just keep firing the gun. Also, that acorn around your neck is like almost pulling off. Like It's like magnetically, like it keeps jumping and then landing. I stop the gun and I take the acorn out and hold the it. moment you take the acorn off your neck, it starts to glow, and as you pull it down by your side, a magnificent sword erupts out of the acorn with an acorn on the hilt. Your hand, instead of holding an acorn, you are now holding a beautiful, shining, gleaming blade. Well, fuck me, you pain in the ass. I am so furious. <laughs> so furious. Like, there is so many emotions going through the man formerly known as Ike. Maybe you're remembering at your, like, at your desk, like, you would just have it sitting there. Maybe, like, you, you throw it in, like, the same bowl that your keys are in. You're just like, oh, whatever. It's just an acorn. <laughs> you're remembering all of that. I'm going to say that was your turn as well to, like, take yeah, it off and yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Adam, I'll get you to make another occult roll, occult resolve, which is five. Are you using willpower? Yeah, I'm going to use willpower again. You have your eyes open now, and you can feel it's almost like a like a rope or like somebody's pulling on your hair to like try and tug you back into the ghost chateau. But with one final wrench, you sever whatever link was there. You think the only reason that you are not bones right now on the floor is that the Cossack somehow protected you through all of it. And you, like a zombie, stand up stiff and uncomfortable. There is dust in your hair. There are cobwebs coming off of your clothes. But you are standing and you are alive. The cat bullets streak past it, but it's in a kind of, uh, maybe there's like an area of sort of stalactites on the roof, and the bullets of the longhouse agents are just kind of clipping those, and they're falling to the ground, but they're kind of missing the cat. Michael, it's your turn. It's still kind of, it's like tucked away on the roof of the cave. Yeah, I can't get to it with the sword, can I? No, I mean, you can throw it, but you... <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to throw this big fucker. I drop the other bronze sword and use my gun. The bullets, you see, like, again, it's hard to hit because of the stalactites, but you can see a spray of pink blood, and you think maybe you hit one of its paws because it falls from the roof of the cave and slams onto the ground. Adam, it's Good. your turn. Am I in this room seeing this happening? Yeah, maybe you, like, peek around a corner or you step around a corner of this little divot of the cave, and you can see before you this scene i charge towards the cat Mm -hmm. i want to stare it in its face and before i fucking chop down into it i want to say yesterday i survived (laughs) today i win (laughs) michael you see coming out of a, a dark corner of the cave a man and at first as he steps in the flashing lights of the torch beams from people's weapons and the light that comes from these the gunshots going off, it looks like a Cossack is stepping out. Like a Cossack from some ancient forgotten time is stepping out from this corner of the cave. But then, as they step further into the light, you can see that it is Mikhail. And it is Mikhail exactly as you remember him in the 1960s. He hasn't aged a day. I was so hoping this would happen. <laughs> he is... Covered in dust and cobwebs and debris and rubble, but he is Mikhail as you knew him. And you watch as he runs up to the prone, maybe even on its back form of the sh- this white long snake cat and drives his sword into it. And you you bisect it almost. You think you've at the very least got it pinned and you can see like the light fading from its sick looking yellow eyes. The agents gather around, but they kind of don't want to shoot at it at the moment because you're kind of, like, right on top of it and they don't want to risk it. They also don't quite know what's happening and they've only ever heard of you from description and they're like, oh, oh here he is. Okay, for, for whatever reason, <laughs> he's here. Oh, huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Michael, it's your turn. I ignore every rule that I have trained into these people because when you see someone from the past who looks as they were, that is a trick. Uh, (laughs) We set this up, now you've got to shoot me. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm like, uh, I saw a Cossack. (laughs) I don't know. All I know is that there is a story about you surviving a plane crash. I don't know anything else, but the death came for you and you survived. And I figure death came for you again and you somehow survived. So I'm like... I think it's him. I might shoot him in the leg just in case. (laughs) But also the more pressing thing is to kill the cat. Um, I take the acorn sword and I step up next to Mikhail and I say, 
Howdy, comrade, and just stab next to where you've stabbed with the sword. You bring the sword down. The cat is so close to death that I'm not even going to roll. And you slice it right in its chest. Pink blood spurts up the blade, and you think that the bronze swords have definitely been damaging this cat, but the acorn sword is almost like it was designed for it. Maybe you can see that slit on the cat's throat where the blood has been bleeding. You see that that, that is the perfect opening, and maybe you finish a job that Mister, that the, the owner of the LeMahieu mansion started centuries ago, and you bring the sword down into the neck of the white cat and behead it. It lies there still, twitches a couple of times and then stops moving. The cave slowly, the dust and debris that was kicked up by the gunfire settles and you're standing in a massive antechamber or massive chamber deep under the ground. I immediately pull the sword out of the cat's neck, spin the sword around and hit Mikhail in the face with the hilt. Do you do anything? Uh, if possible, I catch it. <laughs> you, you, I can't, yeah, if possible, maybe I catch the sword if you don't end up hitting me with it or whatever. And then I say, you were better with a gun, cowboy. Okay, it's really him. Ignore the, ignore the rule. Ignore the rule. This is definitely the big guy. You Maybe you hear like two of the agents mutter like, that's exactly what we always say. We get yelled at it for it, that's fine. <laughs> And they I want to fire those two later. <laughs> <laughs> they start collecting the body of the cat to take with them back out of the cave. Uh, check under the rock. We need to see if that kid's alive. They Maybe they explore the cave and they find in a similar pocket to the one that you were in, Mikhail, they find the unconscious body of the child. You can see that the kid has like a bloody kind of like hole at the base of their Adam's apple. And Mikhail also has one too. And it's kind of, maybe it's dried over the centuries, but you can see that there's still definitely a wound there. The child is unconscious, but two of the Longhouse agents collect her and they begin kind of making a rescue effort to leave the cave. They collect the manhur, they collect some of the bones, they collect the cat's body, they collect the child, and all of them leave until it's just the two of you left. Hey, hey, comrade. I want to be sitting down with, like, the sword still tied in my hand, kind of, like, got my uh, arms resting on my knees. It happened again. Death came for me and chose not to take me. You are a lucky son of a bitch. I am, in the word, the spirit of my homeland. Proud, defiant, unkillable. So funny, but uh, that is not quite true. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, hey, Mikhail, if... Uh, if it happened again, what year do you think it is? For the first time, maybe you you realize that that Ike, because you still know him as Ike, has not the Ike you remember. He's a much older, far more weathered man. With an eye patch. With an eye patch. Did did I um was I asleep for very long? Thirty years, <laughs> I assume. <laughs> nah, pretty much. It's uh. Hey, hey, now let's play again. What year do you think it is? I bet you a packet of cigarettes you're wrong. 1993? Close, it is 95. I have some fun news about the Berlin Wall. The what? Maybe you're saying this as you, like, put your hand on his back. <laughs> Two of you yeah, start leaving so, the uh, cave. They made a build a wall through East Berlin. It's gone now. Uh, <laughs> I also have regret to inform you that Joseph Stalin died. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, wait, when did I go in? <laughs> I think you already know that. I think he yeah. died before 63. I think you might have uh, Oh, and uh, big guy, guess what? What? America won the space race, dickhead. 